Hey, App Growth Community, welcome back to the App Growth Show, where we host mobile experts to unlock valuable and actionable insights on how you can grow your app. No matter where you are in your app growth journey, we're here to help you reach your mobile growth goals. Let's dive right into today's episode. Hi, it's Dan from NAMI. We want to help you turbocharge your app subscription revenue in 2022. That's why I'm so excited to offer this audience exclusive access to the next generation of the NAMI platform. With NAMI, you can optimize all of your in-app subscription marketing. Learn more at www.nami.ml slash appgrowthshow. Today, we're so excited to be joined by Dan Burkhoff, co-founder and CEO of NAMI. NAMI is really cool and unique in that they're experts in the app revenue and subscription space. Their product allows app marketers like yourselves to bring your ideal subscription model to life to create happy subscribers for your app. Let's welcome Dan and Jennifer. Hello, this is Jennifer Sansone, and thank you so much for joining us for another episode of the App Growth Show. Today, I'm very excited to be joined with Dan from NAMI. Hello, Dan. Hi, how are you? I'm great. How are you doing? Happy to be here. Great. And we're very happy to have you as well. Um, to start things off, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and about NAMI? Sure. Uh, so I'm a serial entrepreneur. I've been in the mobile space for uh, well over a decade. Uh, founded my first two companies right after the App Store launched in 2008. Built a, a large app development agency uh, that worked on some incredibly high-profile apps. Uh, now part of WPP, the world's largest advertising holding company. Um, and I did one of the I pioneered one of the first services in push notification. Uh, and we uh, sold that company to Oracle and ended up building the first generation of the Oracle Marketing Cloud's mobile offering. So I've been in and around the mobile ecosystem for a while. Uh, and uh, as I was looking to what to do next, uh, we started NAMI because one of the things that we noticed was that as apps were starting to transition uh, away from upfront pay, you know, paid upfront or free with in-app purchase, moving to the subscription model, by the way, partially because folks like Apple and Google were, were and are still trying to encourage developers to adopt subscription model. Um, folks are struggling to make that transition. They are still struggling to make that transition. And importantly, um, they spend an awful lot of time upfront uh, with kind of the mechanics of subscriptions and try, instead of trying to figure out, okay, well, now that we've got this business model, how do we grow and optimize it? So that's fundamentally what we're trying to do at NAMI is give folks the tools to, uh, to essentially do just that, uh, adopt the subscription model really easily, kind of get that out of the way, uh, and then um, put the tools in place so that they can experiment, uh, learn what's working, what's not working, uh, and ultimately, hopefully see success with this model. Great. And I, I'm so happy that we're talking about this topic today, this topic of monetization, because it's so important, right? But also at the same time, it's also super tricky, um, especially for entrepreneurs or growth managers who are, are, are trying to navigate through this, this system that you're talking about with subscription apps and everything. So from your experience, can you kind of give us your take on where you think many people just maybe get it wrong or need to go about it in a different way? Yeah. I, I mean, I think part of what the answer to that is, is that 
and it's not just for subscription models. It's, it's really the app ecosystem overall, which is that so much effort is spent on that upfront build um, or, 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 a, or that big new release. And so there's so much energy that gets focused on, you know, oh, do we have these features in place? Do we, we got to get our screenshots pulled together for, for the big launch? And folks aren't always thinking about what comes after launch, what, what's, what happens on day one or day two or day three, or where do we want to be in six months from now? What foundation do we want to have? Um, so especially with the subscription model, uh, you may not go out, out the door with the right pricing. You may not have the right free trial duration. Um, maybe you shouldn't have a free trial at all. Maybe it should just be an introductory offer. Those kinds of things um, often uh, are treated as static decisions up front when really they should be thought as, of, as dynamic inputs that you can change uh, kind of as you learn, um, as you respond to the market, um, and as you kind of fit within the competitive landscape uh, that, that you fit in. So do you see that happening quite a bit where apps maybe start off one way and then kind of decide that they have to pivot or change how they're doing things? Does that happen quite a bit? Somewhat. I mean, I think the best apps figure out if you're in the top 100 by revenue in your category, um, to some degree, you have to figure out how to experiment, iterate, uh, and innovate. Um, the apps that can't quite get into that cohort um, tend to kind of get stuck with those day one decisions. A great example is that the most common thing when we talk to app publishers around how did you, how did you decide how to price your subscriptions, the number one answer that we get, and it's by far and away the number one answer is, oh, I just looked at other apps in my category. It's like, well, other apps in your category may not be exactly the same as you. You know, may have a different value proposition, may have more or less functionality, may be catering to a different market uh, segment. So, um, so that's pretty common. Now, the apps that do it really well, um, they are setting a price. Maybe they are informed by the competitive landscape, um, but they're they're willing to not be kind of uh, hold on to that day one decision as they go forward. That's super interesting, um, the way you just explained all of that, because, um, of course, that would all come into play. Uh, so that makes a lot of sense. And actually, we, we noticed, too, that NAMI does have a subscription model um, to help your audience increase their revenue. Can you kind of guide us through what that looks like? Yeah, so I mean, we, so we provide uh, a platform to help people adopt the subscription model. Oh, by the way, you know, we, our service is also build on a subscription basis as, as most SaaS software is. Um, but, but really what we're trying to do is uh, get people, get app publishers um, beyond just deploying the model, right? Deploying the model traditionally has been pretty hard um, just because there's a lot to it. You, it's not like that one-time purchase where, okay, well, somebody's redeemed something, now they have it you know, forever, they have it until they run out of gold coins and need to re-up the subscription model. There's signal that you get over time. Some of that signal comes from um, Apple and Google from the back end. Um, and so there's just a lot from a data management perspective that's more tricky, but we want to get people past that as quickly as possible so that they can focus on uh, really 
experimentation, measurement and experimentation. And so, for example, concrete, uh, a real concrete example is that those paywall screens that you see in subscription apps, uh, traditionally, those are pretty static. Uh, app developer or app publishers will, you know, have their development team build it out, you know, again, have that kind of pricing that was established from day one. So the first thing that we do is we turn that into a dynamic element, something that, that can change after the app ships. Um, and why would you want to change it? Well, exactly what I've been talking about in terms of experimentation. Maybe you want to try a different price point. Maybe you want to actually have a different paywall depending on where the user is in the funnel. Um, did they come in the front door and you know decline your free trial and now they're kind of in the freemium experience? Maybe the paywall they should see, they should encounter in that free that freemium experience should be different from what they saw in the upfront because they're, 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 we know something about that user now um, and where they kind of are in the funnel is different. And so turning the paywall into a dynamic element is key. And then from there, why not, and this is really crucial, is have the ability to do A-B testing around um, all of these elements, the marketing messaging, the artwork, the pricing itself, the free trial duration, all those elements that, that sit on that paywall. And you may have more, multiple paywalls, if I, as I've expressed. Now that they can be dynamic uh, and controlled from the cloud, uh, you don't need to just have a one-size-fits-all for anywhere that your user encounters it. And so now you have the ability with our solution to, uh, to experiment and, and not just experiment, but contextualize the offer that's in front of the user based upon things like maybe even the acquisition channel that you brought the user in through, um, maybe um, context, like maybe they're in, somewhere in the app that is specific uh, and you want, you want to contextualize it. For example, we work with a streaming service where maybe Maybe you subscribe from the viewpoint of a specific show uh, or genre, and so the paywall could be personalized or contextualized for that genre, so it's speaking to the user and the content they're trying to consume uh, versus just, you know, kind of the generic canvas. This is super interesting because, you know, bringing up A-B testing and things like that in the realm of monetization, that's not something that you hear about very much, you know, it's, you know, you hear A-B testing in terms of screenshots and creatives and ads, but this whole idea in the monetization space. Um, so do you think it's something that's very much underused? Oh, in, it's, in the yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's not just underused, it's nascent. This is only getting going because, you know, the first decade of the app economy has been focused on user acquisition. And so, you know, we finally are in this place now where, uh, you can have variants of Apple search ads leading to variants of your store pages, uh, right? So in a way, that's testing different scenarios or personalizing different scenarios just at the top of the funnel itself. But then once somebody comes into the experience, what tends to happen still is that we just leave the, you know, we're, we leave the user up to their own devices. And if they convert to a trial or they convert to paid, you know, we have some data to to measure that, but we don't really necessarily know why. We don't always have the ability to connect the dots back to the channel that we got the user from, acquired the user from. And so that testing in that next step of the funnel where we're trying to activate the user and convert them um, almost never exists, almost never happens. And it's, it, I, I believe it's because um, A, we haven't had the foundations to test 
in this dynamic way, but B, because so much of the effort is spent at the top of the funnel, so much resources, so much budget, um, that, that, that it's, it's sort of been a, um, ignored area, but think about it this way. If you're spending X amount of budget on your user acquisition strategy or X amount of time, um, why wouldn't you want to make sure that you're getting the best bang for the buck, but making sure that next stage in your funnel, the optimizing the monetization piece um, is well-tuned because that's where you're going to get, um, you know, drive, drive, drive that LTV where you want it. That's where you're going to make sure those customer acquisition costs or that return on, return on ad spend um, is as optimized as possible. Um, it's not just about how, how you know, inexpensive can we get the install. Um, we have to kind of carry that all the way through. So if we were to kind of, you know, tap into how is it that you unleash your app's revenue potential, would it come down to that? Would it come down to making these things dynamic and experimenting and iterating? Is that kind of the, the foundation of it, of, of really tapping into the, the full um, revenue potential? Yeah, I mean, there's one more dimension to it, but it comes next. So um, we're also doing machine learning to watch, you know, as you experiment, now you're starting, now you're in a position where uh, there is data that you are exposing, so to speak, um, that's that's ready to, to create recommendations and insights um, based upon things that are happening. So imagine this, you just have a static paywall, it never changes, um, you know, you gather data about how your users are interacting with that, but because there's no B choice or C or multivariate options taking place in your app, then, then there's not, um, there's not different kinds of data. Um, so that's, if you have different kinds of data, well, then that's useful for you as an app growth marketer to sort of say, okay, what's working, what's not working, but think of it a different way, which is it's also signal for a machine learning, learning model that can do things like signal, um, what's this user's propensity to purchase? What's the score of this user? What's their likelihood to churn out of this subscription? All of those things that you can start to do if your models um, are well-informed by um, all the revenue kind of related events, all the monetization related events that are happening in the app, which is also informed by, um, are you trying different approaches? Uh, if you're just trying one approach, then you're going to over-optimize mo any model that you would do would be over-optimized over for that one kind of approach. Um, and, and so, yeah, you can, you can kind of have a, have a um, what do they call it in machine learning? I think it's like a, a local maximum where you've optim optimized your one static approach very, very well, but that doesn't mean that you've reached the full optimized potential. For that, you need to have uh, different avenues and, and, and pathways. So what we try to do, I mean, you, you know, the foundation stuff is really important because if you don't have that, you can't do machine learning. But machine learning is where you can really get that last 10 or 20% out of your, your potential. Again, this is all super interesting because even the subject of machine learning, again, you hear about it so much with paid user acquisition and things like that, but kind of not taking into consideration that at, at the monetization stage of how, how valuable something as advanced as machine learning can be. So um, yeah, this is all super interesting. Um, you know, within our audience, there, there's gonna be some listeners out there who maybe are getting ready to launch you know, a subscription app 
and would really love to get some insights into this pre-launch checklist that I believe that you have. Can you tell us um, a little bit more what you can share about um, this kind of customized checklist? Yeah, I mean, it's, it really boils down to um, some of what we've talked about, but more more specific. So, you know, step one is that you've what you've you, you're you you are at least currently um, sharing a pretty considerable considerable amount of your subscription revenue with the platform. So, Google Play fifteen percent uh, as of the new year. You know, Apple thirty percent in year one, fifteen percent in year two, um, and so what do you get for that? Well, part of what you get for that commission is those platforms provide quite a lot of tools and capabilities around monetization, around monetizing with subscriptions. For example, something called grace period, where if the user's credit card fails on the renewal, um, instead of just involuntary churning, the platforms try to recover that user so that you don't you you don't churn a subscriber. Um, but that's an optional parameter that you need to turn on. It's not only something you have, you have to turn on, it's something that you have to make sure that you are um, reacting to appropriately in your app. So that's an example of where um, step one is you just need to take advantage of all the features that are part of the platforms. You're paying for that through those commissions. So you need to do that. Second thing is what, what I talked about around um, the, those subscription paywalls. You can't be static. You may have an idea on day one um, around pricing, around you know your messaging um, and how you're positioning your subscription. You need to be you need to be willing to change that. You know maybe on day two, day three, whenever. Um, and and also by the way, as your app store optimization efforts shift and and evolve, as your storefronts change and evolve, and you try different keywords and you have different title for your app and those kinds of things that people are doing out there, um, you you can't leave your paywall behind and kind of not be consistent with that other messaging. You know, number three is that these app ecosystems are a global opportunity. So you've got to make sure just like with your storefronts, your store pages, where you localize for different markets, you need to also localize your subscription paywall for different markets. And that has to do with currency, that has to do with language, uh, uh, translation, that has to do with even accessibility features and uh, for you know enlarged fonts and you know screen reading technology, so you're really able to get the most impact out of this global you know ecosystem that you can. Um, you know you need the ability to uh, to be able to measure and understand what's happening. So you know you may have general purpose analytics in your app uh, for you know general areas, but you also need to understand analytics that are designed for subscriptions. Um, so that may mean, you know, you have a, two tools, right? That may mean you have general purpose and something that's focused on monetization because you want to understand what is your free trial, free to, tr free to paid conversion rate. You want to understand what your, uh, uh, how acquisition, um, the cost you spend on acquisition is turning into not just a cost per install, but sort of a cost per, you know, paying subscriber. Um, and then, the, the last one that we talk about in the checklist, the pre-launch checklist is really around customer support because subscriptions are, a, 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 um, uh, from an end user perspective, are much more of a commitment, right? It's not just that one-time purchase where, yeah, if this thing doesn't work out, 
um, well, that was, you know, 10 bucks or two bucks that, that I guess I'm never getting back. With a subscription, you're asking your users to have an ongoing relationship with you uh, um, where you are, sw you know, essentially swiping the credit card on whatever the, the bill term is. And so you have to make sure that not only are you delivering for them, but kind of getting ahead of um, potential issues. And one of the, the biggest challenges when selling on these marketplaces is that in, a, in, in essence, these are indirect channels. So Apple owns the relationship with the customer. They have the credit card on file. Google owns a relationship with the customer. They have the credit card on file. You may have some registration flows in your app. So you may kind of understand, you know, that this is a, a known user versus somebody that's purely anonymous, but you need ways to be sure that you can deliver very good customer support. If somebody writes in and says, hey, you know, I subscribe to your product for $99 a year and I'm, you know, I can use it on my iPhone, but I'm having trouble using it on my tablet. Um, how do you even go about trying to understand what's going on with that user? It can be a black box because the ecosystems only reveal so much. Um, to you, the app publisher, about what's going on uh, with, with subscribers. Um, so you have to have a plan for support. It's one of the most common things that people don't think about. And then they, they start supporting subscribers through the app review, you know, through app reviews, which is not a great way um, to try to, first of all, maybe a great way to kind of, you know, open up a, a dialogue, but it, it's not a great way to kind of, to, to, to understand and diagnose what's going on. Yeah, that's so interesting how you kind of made that analogy of, of it is kind of a black box, right? That what really is going on is kind of like you lose, you know, they lose touch at some point with the end users. Um, that's a really interesting way to put it. Um, as far as subscription models in general, obviously they've, they've become quite prevalent. Um, how do you see the subscription model kind of evolving into next year and, and even beyond? Yeah, so I'll answer that two ways. One is by the numbers. The numbers are staggering. You know, according to UBS, uh, so the subscription economy, which is more than just apps, you know, uh, mobile apps, by the way, um, that's going to be a $1.5 trillion market by 2025. I think App Annie just came out with new numbers that said 2021 is going to be the biggest year yet from a consumer app spend perspective, $135 billion. Uh, on apps and games up from 112 last year, 112 billion last year. Um, most all these, you know, analysis is from App Annie and um, Sensor Tower and some of these folks, they always attribute subscription growth to what's driving uh, these year, year over year increases. So it's clear, and it's clearly uh, impacting all categories. You know, there's some categories that are leading on subscriptions. Health and fitness, I think, is probably right up there. Um, but you and, you and you wouldn't always think of games, individual game titles as being necessarily um, um, adopting or kind of uh, utilizing the subscription model, especially when there's these subscription services around multiple titles of games. But it's even growing there, too. So all categories are an opportunity for subscriptions, not just you know a handful. So that's one thing. Um, but the other thing I think, my, you know, my view is that um, subscriptions, as much as you might see articles about subscription fatigue or sort of you know, saying, do, are there too many of these things? I actually view it a little bit differently, which is that subscriptions have a, a huge opportunity to make 
more software, more accessible to more users. Uh, um, and I can expand on that. But the second part is that uh, in addition to that, it's a great opportunity to have a loyalty, to, to be the next great loyalty engine for a brand. Because if somebody wants to re-up with you every month, that means you have connection with them every single month and, and an opportunity. Um, so I think go, I, I think looking ahead, uh, great brands will figure that out and, and, and not just see it as a transactional relationship where you're trying to trick somebody into not remembering that they're subscribed um, and, um, you know, try to get n number of months out of them. You know, there's a lot of scams out there around subscription, but the best brands will figure out, man, you know, if we, if we get people excited to continue to pay us every month, um, what does that say about those users? It's our best possible users. You know, they are, they are, they are our fans. They are our, the life can, could be the lifeblood for everything that, that we're doing. So how can we nurture the loyalty in those users, surprise and delight them uh, so that they're going to want to keep subscribing, not just next month, but for a long time to come. Great. I love how you put that because it, it really is an opportunity, isn't it? Those, those subscribers really are, like you said, your biggest fans. So um, that's a great way to look at it. Um, Dan, just as we're wrapping up, just any final thoughts for, for our listeners out there who might have any qualms or questions about this topic? Well, uh, there's no time like the present. Uh, obviously, the other thing we haven't touched on today is the changes around uh, IDFA and, uh, and privacy. You know, subscriptions are a great way to uh, um, kind of deal with some of those implications uh, because you're not as dependent on uh, some of those technologies with a subscription model. So uh, that's the one other thing that I would mention that, you know, if you're thinking about subscription, you haven't taken the plunge yet, it is not too late. And if you've already got a subscription product, um, my guess is that it's under-optimized uh, by a lot. So that should be exciting because that means there's there's opportunity and, and upside still there. And um, sometimes people just don't know where to go next. So that's what we're trying to help with. Fantastic. Well, Dan, this has been super insightful. Um, definitely talking about some things that don't get talked about very much, it seems. So thank you so much for sharing your knowledge with us and um, all of this great information. And we'll have a way to, um, in the description of, of how to get in touch with you and get in touch with NAMI. So again, thank you so much for your time. And it was such a pleasure to have you on our show. Hey, thanks so much. I I've had a lot of fun and thanks for the good questions. Thank you so much for joining today's episode of the App Growth Show. We hope you are able to take away some actionable insights to turbocharge your app revenue and create more happy subscribers. If you found today's episode to be helpful, please visit appgrowthnetwork.com and that's appgrowthnetwork.com to book your free call with us today to supercharge your mobile growth. See you in the next episode. Bye for now.